Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Amen. Amen. Now we are going to to turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. We are the sheep of his pastor, and we are going to get somewhere today. Amen. Amen. I have some things to share with you. We are solid. We are building. We're getting endurance. And I know that what happened in the last few years, people withdrew for all kinds of reasons. They got in their closets. They got locked up. Some people didn't ever stay locked up. I wasn't good at that, so I didn't conform to that very well. Well, I didn't conform at all, actually. But uh, <laughs> I know that some people did. And we can see this, actually, as, as mission teams and whatnot. We've seen the same. I've seen it all over the world. When people withdraw and begin to rely on governments, rely on other people, uh, a thing begins to happen where it, it continues. It just continues and continues. One of the places we were in, in Kenya, they had everything they needed to build a well. All of the, you could see it all there. It was piled. And, and these, there were lots of men there who were capable of using the equipment. It's okay, it doesn't bother me. They were capable of taking the, the, the bricks and the mortar. It was, everything was there. And what they, I said, why, why are you still doing this? And why, why are you still using the stones, like, and cooking your rice on the stones on a pot when you've got all the stuff to build the stove over here? We're waiting for the missionaries to come back. I'm like, huh. And this is what happens in the cycle of pullback. And we forget how to relate to each other. We rely wrongly on government aid, and we rely sometimes wrongly on each other. And so in this, and then we begin and realize, oh my goodness, that's how I'm leaning on God. I'm coming to him like the government. You'll provide, you'll give me what I need. You'll provide, you'll provide. Isn't that what it says in the Bible? He'll supply all my needs? Oh yeah, oh yeah, sure. And we've fallen into this, and not anymore. Amen? <laughs> because sheep don't stay in the fold. If they did, they'd have to have someone provide for them every single day, and they'd never eat fresh grass. And actually, they'd have to have all kinds of chemicals and start feeding them like vitamins if they only stayed there, and they'd just get fat, and they wouldn't make their... The wool that they got would not be proper. They'd have to do all kinds of things if they kept in their little place. You'd have to fill the water, fill the food, fill the water, fill the food. You have to make sure that the food is right and da 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 da, da. My uncle used to have sheep in Wales. There were a lot of fuss. But every day, he'd go out for a walk, and he'd take them out. And they all go out. They can't stay in the little box. Neither can we. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says, When he saw, this is Jesus, when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And that's sometimes, that's kind of where we're at now. 
We, there's been so many people scattered. Many people left church. They haven't come back. If they do, they're, they're inconsistent. They come, they go, they come, they go, they come, they go, they come, they come when they have the need and leave when it's filled. God's house is not McDonald's. Amen? We're not a drive-through service. Now, that doesn't mean he'll, he won't supply and he won't make you feel better, but we're here to bless God. We're not here to receive. I mean, we do. We do receive. But that's not the main purpose. And so when Jesus saw the need, he saw they were scattered. And when we're scattered, we have to do something to bring them back, which is why we're going to the gym. We're going to the gym to learn how to come back together, to operate as one, to operate in the things and the shepherding. Everyone shepherds someone. Everyone. We at some place and in some ways are all leaders. Someone's always watching us. And even if we're, we're single or by ourselves, someone's always watching. Always. Always. No matter where you are. Even when pastor's having a pedicure. For some reason, somebody beside me got to talk to me and ask me weird questions. And I've gone there and I've shut my eyes and I'm in the massage chair. And they got to ask me something. I'm like, oh. But you know what? I don't go, oh, for very long. Because they ask me something and then I start talking and then I'm happy anyway. And, and the next thing you know, I've never slept the whole time. And I haven't in the chair very much. <laughs> Amen. No matter where we go, someone's always looking. And we don't take it out. You know, some of this is a funny story. I'll get to the next verse. We're going to get ready. Turn to 1 Peter 5 while I tell you another story. There was a person who came to me years ago, and they said, we know when you go home, you, 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 you take off that pastor hat, and you just don't like every, you're just like the rest of us. I go, what do you mean like the rest of us? Well, we all go back, and, we, you know, we party, we have a drink, and da-da-da-da. And I know when I, I prayed about it. When you were having your birthday party, you were getting drunk at home. I thought, you did not hear God, lady. <laughs> I lead a very boring life at home outside of gardening and stuff, which I do enjoy. <laughs> and, you know, we have rat traps and things, and that's always interesting. <laughs> What's your big thing in the morning? Getting my coffee out, my Bible out, and checking the trap, you know? <laughs> my life is pretty simple. <laughs> I don't take off my hat. I don't, I don't become another person. I'm not like Superman in the church and like Clark Kent at home, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm not like, you know, 007, two lives, or three or four. In the pulpit, there's an anointing to minister the word of God, but I don't live in that. Amen? And you'll find that as you learn and come to the gym, that there's a place where the Holy Spirit moves on you, and you'll sense his anointing, and it's not what you do every other day. And you'll think, well, this makes me special. No, God specially works through us, and that's what sort of makes us special, but in a different way. Amen. Amen. Did you find First Peter chapter 1? Yeah. So no, I don't change when I go home. I'm still me. Some of you have been in my home. You know what it's like. I'm just me. And, and I'm really grateful for those like, like chairs that go up and down like that and put your feet up. Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Those who know, I got that chair. Is it old people thing? I always thought, no, no, no. It doesn't matter how old you are. You like those chairs. That's right. Children like those chairs. I've seen it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Version. I think the Amplified Version will come. There it is. Amen. I warn and counsel the elders among you. Now, I'm saying this, and why I prefaced it this way, is because everyone's a leader. You're leading someone, so we can all learn this. It's not just, okay, well, that says pastors. I'm out of here. This doesn't have anything to do with me. Wrong. You're pastoring someone. Amen? 
pastors and spiritual guides of the church as a fellow elder and as an eyewitness, means you're called to testify. We heard it testifying this morning of God's goodness. Amen? Of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a sharer in the glory. Now, that should shock some of you. What? I thought he didn't share it with another. Well, first of all, that's the Old Testament, and that's another trip, and probably we'll get Pastor Jason to teach on that sometime. I could, but not today. Amen? <laughs> Are you having fun yet? We're having fun. This is like we're coming in. We're just having a nice little chat with, you know, the mother, and, and we're just having a good time today. Amen? As well as a sharer in the glory that is to be revealed, disclosed, or unfolded. Everybody say unfolded. unfolded. Because we're going somewhere fun today. Amen? It says in verse 2, tend, and then it says, nurture, guard, guide, and fold the flock of God that is your responsibility. Oh. Now, as a parent, there are some people we are definitely responsible for. Now, while I'm married, I'm not necessarily responsible for my husband, but I, I do feel responsible to cook for him. I'm sure he doesn't have to, but it goes better that way. He's not bad with eggs and pancakes, but other than that, I don't want to live on that. <laughs> and if I want to have variety, I cook. Now, he helps with the laundry. Now, I'm telling you these things not to go, oh, that's kind of weird in your house. No, I'm saying that there's certain things that we take as responsibility. The house does not clean itself. I sure, you know, I, I'm not into the bewitch thing, but I always thought it was kind of cool as a kid. She did that and the house was clean. We don't, we, we don't, you know, no. that does not work. Sometimes people hire them, but it's still not like, you know, they, they don't clean like you clean and I clean. They don't do what, you, did they? They missed that corner. You know what I'm saying? I learned about. Braces. And I would go and I would help her and I, she asked me to clean the windows and I had done that. I came back. Uh, later, and I had gone to get some groceries for her, came back, and she was, she had put a chair on her kitchen table, had a rag and a stick. I had missed a corner of that window. Somehow, she got herself up on the table, and then up on top of that chair. Now, remember, she's paralyzed from the way, and she's got this rag and a stick, and she's like, trying to clean that corner I missed. I learned about corners and cleaning. I tell you what, I never wanted to see that again. I'm like, I am so sorry, Grandma. She goes, oh, I got it, dear. I'm like, and then watching, no, I'll get down. I'm like, I'm just going to look at what, I was 16. I, I, I was, this was not good for me. And she's a lovely person. She's in heaven, and maybe she's watching now. I don't know, but I love you, and I know she loved me, and I'm grateful. There was such a great nurturing that she did in my life. You could not do any any task in the house without her quoting scripture. She did it all the time. We would be washing dishes, and she said, it's a pleasure to wash dishes, and I'm thinking, right. I mean, we were washing dishes. My sister was little. She, I had a little sister, and they would stand her up, and she would put the things up in the cupboards, and we all had a task. We all worked together, and she'd quote scriptures while we did it. Oh, that's what we did. I thought that everybody did that. I learned that that was not the case as I got older. She nurtured us. She nurtured us. Did she feel the demand of heavy responsibility? No. The responsibility 
came out of love. If, I mean, every task she did, she did because of love. She washed the windows because she loved to look outside. She loved what it looked like clean. Love and compassion motivated her. So there wasn't this, when we talk about responsibility, and you feel like you're getting this big yoke on your shoulder, but that's not what God intended. And when you love people, responsibility is an automatic response. Responsibility, right, okay. You follow me? Responsibility, response of love, amen? Nurture really means to care for and encourage the growth or development. And that's what she was doing. She was nurturing. She was causing a development to come in my life. Now, I'm still not a fan of doing windows, honest. But when the grandchildren licked them, that was special. I don't know why children lick glass, but they do. And, and whatever they've got on their hands goes beside it. And we clean the glass because you know they're going to come back and you love your grandchildren. You don't want to lick what they lick, you know, left there from the last time. <laughs> and you think, well, well, isn't this very practical? Yes. There are some things about Christianity that we've left off that are practical that we need to come back to. But part of this is learning how to be together. And if we realize that every time we're with each other, there's something we can nurture and help to grow or develop in one another by how we speak and how we respond to the responsibility. We have a responsibility to each other to be kind. And if it comes out of the right motivation, we're going to watch what we say. Not like, oh, it, it's not about the weight. The weight, oh, you've said something, it's such a bad confession. Well, if you love someone and you want to encourage someone, we're not like the ex-smoker brigade uh, where it comes to a poor confession or something that isn't confessing God's word. Yes, yes, absolutely. We want to confess the right things. But we also don't want to go, oh, I just about killed myself doing that. Um, it's probably not the best thing to say. And But correcting that... Um, is something we want to do carefully. Sometimes when something is repetitive, I've said, are you sure you want to say that? <laughs> uh, so we want to watch, but how we encourage and how we responsibly or respond out of love will help that go better. Amen? These are practical things, but so important because we've forgotten how to be together, how to love one another. And so we come together and it doesn't go well, so we retreat again. We don't want to see you retreating. We want you to keep taking steps forward. Maybe that first time and, and you're with someone and they're saying something really wonky and you want to fix it in the moment, chances are you shouldn't. Better keep your mouth shut. Amen. Now, I know that's practical, but we're learning how to be together again. There are some things, if you know someone is open, many people and many believers make this mistake all the time and then they get themselves in trouble. They speak when no one's listening. Right? And this is so important as we share our faith. Not everyone is going to hear you. And we get caught up in trying to make that one hear us that's stubborn and has got their ears shut and their heart shut. No one comes to the Father except he first draw him. If we will listen to Holy Spirit, he will guide us to those who are prepared. Yeah. 
And I guarantee the conversation will be better. Amen? And then we trust him to fill us. If we are responding out of love and out of guidance, now we've got something. Now we know when Holy Spirit's in our life, he's going to help us do things differently and people will notice. They're going to notice, wow, when they spoke. I remember when they spoke before and it was kind of like, hmm, like fluff. But now when they speak, there's weight to their words. And that's what happens when we're yielding to Holy Spirit. There comes a weight of authority that it's in our words that's very convincing without you trying to be. Does that make sense? Right. So nurture. This is what the, the very first thing we've got as, as people responding right. The very first word, nurture, it, to care for and encourage. Now, if someone has been outside the body for a while, it might take some encouragement before they're willing to trust you enough to tell you why they stayed away. And some people, they come back in and they're so cranky and miserable and, and, and frustrated and they let it all out on each other. I think you've seen some of that. I, we're certainly seeing it on the streets. People are violent and they're freaking out. They don't know how to be in society anymore. This is why it's vital for us to be trained to be calm in all situations, to respond out of love, to remember that we're here to care and nurture people. There's a lot of people who need some kindness and who won't freak out when they're freaking out. It doesn't help anybody if they're in a mess, if you get in the mess with them. Absolutely. How often they, they quote the, that scenario of the life uh, guard in the swimming incident. They can't rescue somebody until they quit fighting. Yeah. And if we understood that, then when we're leading someone to the Lord, there are people that go, I don't believe you. Well, maybe we'll just let that seed sit a while. And allow the Holy Spirit to work in you the kind of love that draws them. Let them some, and, and it's different when we're in a quick interaction when you're in the marketplace and things like that. And we're, we're, but if it's someone who's a relative or a friend who's close to you, you're going to have to develop the kind of relationship of trust with them that will let them feel that they can ask you a question that's been troubling them. But we can all do this. Yes, we can. We can come to the place where trust is rebuilt. Amen. That's part of nurture. When we're talking about guarding, we heard the word on, on, uh, from Pastor Neil this morning. It's watch over in order to protect or a person who keeps watch. Now, when we're, we're back to the confession part, sometimes we're so watching our, uh, somebody else's words and not watching our own. That's where I say the ex-smoker thing. Do you, does everybody understand if they're an ex-smoker? Yeah, they th you know, somebody quits smoking, they want everybody to quit with them the next day. You should quit that. It's going to kill you, you know. Mm-hmm. I've done that. <laughs> That's how come I know. Not the smoking part, but in other areas. Oh, I've got my confession, right? Here, let me fix yours. Hmm. Oh, boy. Aren't you glad we love each other? Hey, man. <laughs> you know, I, I think, oh, look, I got through a whole page, sort of. Talk about a guide, a person who's looking over, a person who's watching. Can we watch and pray over people? differently. You see, uh, and we've talked so much lately. One of the things we've done is we've opened up on Wednesdays prayers for ministers of the city to come. And, and they've begun to come. But we have to rebuild trust. And some, some churches don't like praying in other tongues. 
And we've made it very open. And let me be very open with you. I stand with Kenakopa Ministries and, and the affiliated ministries. And some people don't like that. And I'm not really concerned. God's told us to do some things, and we stand with him. That's sometimes why we have empty seats. And we're going to do what God says. Amen. Amen. That ministry literally changed my life. Changed my life. The words I was taught, the messages I've heard, I've embraced, and much of it I've taught you without saying his name. <laughs> when we hear the words on righteousness, they come out of there. And these are things that I've learned to live. Our children, two of them were in dire situations where both of them probably shouldn't be here. And they're still alive because we learned the word of God. My husband is alive because we learned the word of God. I'm alive. I don't know if I, I'm so wild and crazy. You know, I could have been killed five times over, I think so, when I look at my life. The devil tried to kill me when I was six months old, tried to kill me while I was in the womb. I mean, I, I look back and sometimes I'm glad my mom, some of her memories are not with her anymore. And I'm sort of glad. I don't need to know how many times I just about didn't make it. I'm here, and I'm going to complete my path, and that's what we want to see in every one of you. Amen. That kind of solidity. Yeah. I will finish the course God's placed in my life. There's teaching that's vital to every one of us that we've got to grip and get hold of. And I want to talk mostly today about this last word that comes up there. I talked about guiding and nurturing and guarding. I think we've got kind of those concepts. I want to talk today specifically about fold. It's an interesting word, but so important for us today. Fold is what, it, it literally means where things have come apart to put them back together. When it talked about sheep at the end of the day, where it talks about his sheepfold and gathering his sheep back in, that's literally what he did. In where Jesus called them back to the fold, it was the place where he'd take them all in and he'd make sure everyone was there. He would count them. He says, come into the sheepfold. And that word fold, and that's, that's now what we get to do. We get to take things that were supposed to be together, that came apart, and get them to come back together by the hand of God. And just as Jesus cared for every one of those sheep, and that's why he know, oh, there's some missing. There was one missing. And once they were all protected and the sheep were in the fold, he went and found the one that was lost. But he first made sure that the rest were safe. There's a place where you see, if we've really begun to nurture, if we've really begun to guard in God's way and pray for one another, if we've really provided the right kind of guiding in life through Holy Spirit encouragement, then we become to this place where we can begin to fold things under God's hand and see and count and say, you know what, so-and-so. And now we're beginning to allow compassion to motivate us in such a potent way that it's almost irresistible. You know, when sheep come back into at the end of the day and they come back, they know they're supposed to be there. They get very attached to their fold. They know they're safe from harm. 
They know no wolf can get in there. When they're out running through the fields, it's open, and they could get harm. But when they're in the fold, they know they're safe. And that's so important and vital for the church today. We've forgotten how to respond to the shepherd when he calls our name. We know he calls, but some of us are still eating the grass on the hill. It's okay. I'll be fine. Unaware that there's wolves out there. And the presumption that it doesn't matter. I'll be fine. But what happens to the sheep that's on the hill? That got away from the flock. That doesn't come home and doesn't come into the fold. What happens is they don't get sheared. And shearing keeps them healthy. I've actually watched shearing. It's quite interesting. It's very fast. And the last time when we were in Wales in uh, 2013, we were a place where my grandmother used to be the chief cook and bottle washer at the, at the castle there. And they had a sheep fold there. And they had brought them all in. But you know, even that, they were little, little sections. There's ones that were brown and they were all together, and ones with black faces and they were kind of hanging out together. And they were teaching a young man who was there how to, how to, you know, shear the sheep. And how they, you know, initially when they grab them, it's quite something. And the, the older gentleman, he's just like, and he just takes them like that. They knew him. And because they knew the older man, he'd come and he'd just take them like this and they just, okay, and just yield to him. I mean, seconds, and they were through. But the young fella who was new, they didn't respond quite right to him. <laughs> and there was a bunch of wiggling going on of both parts. And they're struggling. And they're struggling. And, you know, and, and hopefully they don't nick him while I'm doing it. But that is quite something. And you see, we've forgotten how to respond to each other in the fold. And I was, I was interested in the, and because it was quite a, a large place. It wasn't their nighttime fold. It was kind of the fenced-in area where they were during the day. And they still separated themselves by the kind that they were. Like I said, the black-faced ones were over there, and the brown ones were over there, and the mixed ones were over here, and they weren't mixing well together. And as I stood there watching, I thought about the body of Christ and the words how he's calling us to come together. It's time for us to be folded by the Lord and learn what it means, how to operate in this, how to call each other back, how to hold each other together, and how to be comfortable with the words of the shepherd. We haven't responded well to them. And some people still, well, you know, I can manage on my own. Yeah, you can, sort of, you can. You'd be all owly in a while. And what happens is the wool gets all kind of nasty in it. They got things stuck in them. And everyone could tell you've been out in the hill. It's obvious. But there's a folding that God wants to do and bring us back. Where he says, look, they're all here. And they're protected. And they're well fed. And that shepherding call it's not just for pastors and pulpits. As we look out and we see the condition of our world, we can see people are needing shepherding in the right way again. 
They need to be able to hear that calling voice that says, come on. Let us love on you. Let us bless you. It's not easy. And some of them might have been on that hill, and they might be smelly, and they might have stuff stuck in their furs. But as you can see, even with four pastors, and, and a half sort of, <laughs> ladies pastor, even with all of that, that would never be enough for our city. There's over 500,000, 600,000 people here in Surrey. That doesn't include children. And five people aren't enough. Even with all the churches, if all the churches were functioning, it wouldn't be enough. That's why we need every person equipped to care, nurture, guard, fold, bring them in, know how to bring them in. And you see, those ideas of bringing them in won't come from our ideas. They'll come from his. Think about how God drew you. What did he do to grab a hold of your heart? What were the words? What was the experience? What was the call? What was that thing that just said, I need my God? What was that thing? What resonated inside of you? What called you? What called you will call others. And it's exciting. You know what? Growing up in a church didn't get me born again. Growing up in a church didn't deliver me from shy or nervousness. It really wasn't shy so much as unworthiness. I didn't feel good enough for God to use me. And it took many times and many scenarios for that to finally go into the grave. But it went in. And I have, and I'm not concerned with excuses anymore. Because I settled the fact that God's using me. And if you can settle that, you won't be putting out the measuring stick of how many things that don't line up in your life. Right? You won't be looking in the mirror and say, well, here's a, let me get out the checklist. These are all the reasons why God shouldn't use me. But he talked to you. And he called you on the inside. And he spoke words that were irresistible to you. Maybe through the scriptures, maybe through a sermon you heard. But something inside came alive. There was something that caught your attention you could no longer deny. And when it rose up in you, it didn't matter what was in the mirror. And it never does. And it shouldn't. And it shouldn't. In John 10, 16, it says, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd so sometimes it looks like we're far apart sometimes you might look at your family and say well they're so far away but there's only one fold in God there's one kingdom we may all look different we may all respond different but there's one kingdom one fold in god one voice that comes out of heaven that's calling the people of god today to come back together and when we're together it won't matter what the world does 
we'll have something that will rise up in that moment. And we will say things we maybe never considered before that moment. In this past week, I had one of those occasions. And, and I was sitting in a waiting room with my mother. And, and this person just turned to me and she, she'd asked me a bunch of questions about the kind of exam and I had been able to answer her and she went on and on and on. And then she says to me, may I ask you a question? Always dangerous. And she says, what do you think about maidservants, medical assistants and dying? And so we began to have a conversation about God right there in the waiting room. And while we were talking rather quietly, a woman across from us, mind you, my voice carries, I am aware of that, and she bursts out. It wasn't so much about the woman who asked the question, but the woman across the room. And she was younger. And she said, it was a very tough decision, but we made it last April. And she'd been in regret and pain since that she had not made the correct decision. And she just needed someone who would love her and tell her that she could get up and move on. We didn't get to finish her conversation, but we, I was able to sow some seeds. She was open. It didn't look open. When someone's telling you their life of regret and the pain in their heart, it may not look open, but it was an open door. And I was able to love her and share with her, and there was no condemnation. And she had a place where she could ask more questions. And we were able to sow some seed. And I know this, when I sow the word of God, he'll take care of it. Amen. His word does not return void. And I believe that. And so can every one of you. You may be in a place and somebody may ask you an unusual question. Or they may say something that is way out, out of line. Pastor Neil gave a testimony about someone who, who had spaghetti, who had to say this one word when they were praying for someone, and it changed their life. We don't know what's caused someone to come apart, but we know what can draw them back together. And we can trust that Holy Spirit will fill our mouth with good things. It might be unusual, but it will be good and it will bring results. I'll read John 10, 16 again. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Now at that time, and what the scripture is really talking about is the Israelites and then the Gentiles, of course. And there was always a way. There is always a way. There is always a way for, and God's always made a way for strangers and those who were not of the, the line. He always made a way. He always makes a way for you. He always makes a way for me. And his goal was to bring them all together, to have that which had come apart be folded back together, to have those sheep that went out all day to come back together and know that they're all where they're supposed to be. He's not willing that any should perish. Now think of that, how that fits in with that scripture. He's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want any person to go to hell. Not one. And now we're today, we're the ones carrying this powerful word that we get to share with others. If we grab this and we know this, then we will go with it. It makes a difference. And that's what fills our mouth. I know this, I've experienced it, I've seen it, I've witnessed it, both to me and then through me.
I've had some people who I didn't know, I knew they loved me when I met them. Anybody else ever felt that way? Yeah, you've met people and like, I just know they love them. I don't even know them. And I thought that after. Huh. I don't even know that person. But I really sensed they cared about me. It's real. You, can't, you cannot dismiss it. When you operate and you're motivated by that response of love, responsibility, not the weighty one, but the response of compassion, that's how someone's feeling about you. Right there. They know it. Now, sometimes they don't always respond the way you think they will. And that's true. Because I haven't always responded the way to God's love either. How about you? We've all been in that place where we have to make the choice. Um, where we had to do something we didn't particularly care for. And we did it anyway. And, and it didn't always go over so well. But it went over well in a way that we may not have seen that day. But it still had an effect, amen? In John chapter 15 and verse 18, it says, if the world hates you, you're supposed to be happy about it. Why? Because you know it hated me before it hated you. And that will help you. So that you don't get caught up in how the world responds to the word that you're speaking. Now, hopefully at this point, we're speaking it in love, amen? Now, love isn't necessarily, when I say speaking in love, I don't mean you're going in there with like all the cushions and the, the ice cream and the, that kind of language. There's been times, and what I mean by that is we don't always go, it's okay, darling. God's going to fix everything. You just come to him. He's going to love you. Hmm? There's times when you say, what you're doing right now is going to kill you. And there's a time for that. If somebody's running out in the street, even if it wasn't your child, and you saw them dart out in the street about to hurt themselves, wouldn't all of you just, if you were standing there, go, stop, there's a car coming. So there's a time when your words may not appear or be like someone would like it to be. We accept people, but that doesn't mean we accept what they do or approve of it is a better word. We accept them. Yes, we see you. See, I can't change anybody. I cannot. Neither can any of you. We cannot. We are not the changers. We don't change anybody. We can't change them. We can present facts. That's what we can do every time. But there's a place where when we step into God's true love that's not ashamed and not afraid, because they're different, not afraid to speak boldly what he says. There's a time when people need to know they're going to burn in hell. I, I've been, even in the last six months, there was a person and I knew that they were close to going home and they had not yet made their decision and time was running out. And I sort of felt bad at the time even. I, and I'm, I'm saying this in a real fashion because some of you may experience this. And you need to just trust what God says. And I said to them, sir, I, I know you haven't made your decision yet. And the problem is if you don't, the end is not good. You will be going to hell if you don't accept Jesus. And you need to really come to it. The day is here. And he did not accept Jesus at that point. But there was someone there who followed him back to his room. And led him to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I find out later. And he passed away about a week after that. Yeah. So it seemed hard, hear me. It didn't look like he heard me, but obviously he did. 
because he accepted Jesus shortly thereafter, but not while I was present. It was not about me. When we sow seed, it's always about him. When you're speaking God's word, you're sowing seed into someone's heart. And when you do that, it will have a work. It will not return void. That is God taking care of his word in someone's heart. Amen? Excuse me. <clears throat> so, John 15, 18, and verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you. We are at a place, church, where we have to be aware of that. I'm not here to be fancy, dancy, look at how I'm going to look like the world. I will not. Not going there. Not even planning it. Not at any place. I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. And sometimes you might think, well, Pastor, why don't you do it this way? I'm, I, I thank God for all of you praying for me. I'm going to do it how God told me. Amen. And that's his plan for this place. The place down the block may have different instructions. And I hope they hear God and do what he said there. And that's not my responsibility to fix or to, to criticize or to say, well, why aren't they doing it that way? This is us not knowing how to respond because we've been away from each other too long. God knows how to talk to who he puts in certain places. Now we'll come back to the sheepfold for just a moment. In different places, there's different minerals in the ground. So if they're only eating in the sheepfold, they have to have certain stuff. It'll pull it right out of the soil. Now, the guy down the block might have taken his sheep in a different area where there's different minerals in that soil. And they won't need what these guys got over here. So they have to feed them what's good for their area, while this one has to feed them what's good for their area. And God knows what's good for each place. Hmm? He knows. He knows where people are hurting. <clears throat> I can tell you in Canada, it's very different in BC than it is in Quebec. It's very different in the Arctic than here. Right now, we are not having a, a outburst of teenage suicides. In the Arctic, there are children, 10, 11, 12 years old, committing suicide almost every day. The numbers are huge. Can you see that they would need a different remedy? And we cannot say, well, this is what worked here. It's going to work there. Mm. So we don't act like the world. We don't take advice from the world. And we don't take advice necessarily from our neighbor. We hear from God, do what he said, where he said, and believe that what he's told us to do will have a good work. You're called here for a reason. Because there's something inside of you God wants to unlock. Every one of us is distinct and unique. And God has put this here to raise up people to go. That's the mission of this church. Get your stuff together and go and fulfill God's purpose in your life. And have fun with it. And write a book. <laughs> Look what God did here. Look what God did here. Look what God did here. We are walking books. Be a written epistle, amen, that the world can see. He said the world would love his own. But because you are not of this world, I've chosen you out. God chose us and pulled us out. We're not going to look like the world. And that's sometimes going to be a little of the resistance, but we're not going to be swayed by resistance. Amen? Amen? 
we're hearing God, we're obeying him. And when he says, go, we're going. When he says, would you? Uh, the answer is always, yes. that's right. And that's a good thing. He knows how he's made every single one of us. He knows what he's put inside of you. Now, in our family here, there's still missing pieces. So God's going to keep adding to our number, such as should be added, because he knows there's more things that we need to do and more things that need to go. We need some more evangelists. We need some more people in all kinds of areas, but we're not here because of need. We're here because of call, and something comes alive. And it doesn't matter whether you're glued to the you know, electronic devices or in the back turning all the dials which I'm grateful for that I don't have to do any of that. Because there was a time I understood a little of it, but I understand very little of it today. So I'm grateful for, but that doesn't make that that's their only thing in life. Every one of us has natural talents, but we also have something deeply spiritual that God wants to unlock with confidence and something we can share with every person. Now, I understand not everyone will have a pulpit ministry. I get that. But you will all be shepherding someone, somewhere. Because that's what we're all called to do. Amen? Amen. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for God's call. I'm grateful for how he draws. And I want you to think about these three things. You and I. Why do you think he created you in his image? You don't have to answer today. What's good to think about? We're created in his image. That's pretty cool. And if you look around the room, you'll find that none of us look like the other. Now, Doreen has twins, identical twins, but they are not identical. They're each unique and very much have their own personalities. Amen? <laughs> and they're created in his image, in his likeness. And when you begin to grasp that God made you the way you are for a purpose, for a reason, it begins to unlock what's inside. And then we don't just, we're not just created, so think about that. And then what is it like? And I had this question just burning inside. What is it like to live in his likeness? What does that look like? To live in his likeness. How is Jesus living? What's he doing right now? What's he doing up there in heaven? I mean, have you ever thought about that? What's it like to live in his likeness? That's not just Sunday morning for two hours. What's it like on Monday when you're at work? What's it like when you're walking down the street? What's it like in the grocery store? What's it like to live in his likeness? Not just what he did, not just his actions, but who he is. What is it like to wear his righteousness instead of your own? Hmm. Do you still wake up and feel unworthy? Hmm. What's it like to wear what he bought with his own life? Purity. We can't be afraid of purity. We must never be afraid of holiness. If God said, be holy as I'm holy, he never gave a command we couldn't fulfill. Hmm? That would be mean. 
Here, I've said be holy, but none of you will ever do it. You'll never achieve that. That would be ridiculous. So, if we begin with understanding that we're created in his very image, that we can live in his likeness, we will walk holy. We will walk pure. We will walk in righteousness without shame, without embarrassment, without fear. And the world will know we are Christians because love will be shining everywhere. But the God kind of love that's strong, that's never weak, the God kind of love that never embarrasses or gets ashamed of truth, but lives truth in a loud, bold fashion. I'm not talking about yelling it from the mountain. I'm talking about the very life that never bows at lies, the very life that, that stands and says, this is right and I will do it. Exciting life. And we never do one minute of it on our own. Not one second. And oh my goodness, here we are sharing in his glory. His glory has a purpose to manifest through you and I. And we can do it when we walk in those three things. So I say to you today, be brave and be bold. Meditate on you created in his image. And then living in it. I'm not going to live like a dead person anymore. Amen. I was dead. But I am alive. Amen. 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 I'm walking in resurrection power. I'm happy about it. That's not a pulpit ministry. Resurrection life is for every day. Amen. Every day. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.